0: This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Find the entertainment you love with Contour TV and Contour Stream Player. Learn more at Cox, cox.com/contour.
1: This episode is brought to you by Simple Mobile. Tired of being tied down with a wireless contract? Switch to Simple Mobile and stay connected on a powerful nationwide 5G network. Unlimited talk, text, and data starts at $30 a month with no contracts, activation fees, or credit checks. Visit simplemobile.com today. Out with the old, in with the simple. Compatible 5G-capable device and SIM require. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. One month equals 30 days. See terms and conditions at (laughs) simplemobile.com.
2: It's been a couple weeks, (laughs) guys.
3: Good evening, Honey Hole Hangout. What's up, guys? Uh, welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. We are a collaboration of four fly fishermen and hunters who somehow afforded podcast equipment and figured out how to release content on the internet. <laughs> These are our stories, opinions, and perceptions of outdoor pursuits in the sporting world. And uh, we have our normal crew, Landon. We have Zach, Zach. Cliff. We have Cliff, and we have a special guest from Texas Parks and Wildlife. Clay, how are you doing? Pretty good. Glad
1: to be here. Yeah,
3: we're happy yeah. you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, thank you. So, uh, as a little teaser, tell us about what you do. Uh, I'm the public hunting program specialist for Parks and Wildlife. So, so all of the public land hunting in Texas, you oversee? Uh, I
1: don't necessarily oversee it, but it, a lot of it comes across my
3: desk. So, okay. Uh,
1: primarily, the walk-in stuff is kind of my baby. I all that stuff comes across my desk, but I do help with the draw and hunt stuff quite a bit as well. So. Okay, awesome. So we're so gonna
0: we gotta write our names down and hand it to them before. <laughs> we <play>. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: well, let's. It get doesn't it. work that way. <laughs> we can't pick anybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can't not pick you,
3: and we can't pick sure. you. Sure. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> I get what you're saying. <laughs> So, uh, Zach, you – actually, before we do that, whiskey review. What are yeah. we drinking? Because isn't this from originally from you? Yeah, so we had like that triple pack that
2: had the straight regular Jack Daniels, number seven, um, the Gentleman Jack, and then the single barrel select. All right. So, um, I don't know. I don't know anything fancy that... about it. It's supposed to be pretty good. I mean – And we're doing the single barrel. We're doing the single barrel today, yep.
3: Well, wasn't the Gentleman Jack kind of flavorless, if I remember correctly? Yeah,
2: they, they... – Bring it down so much that way everybody can drink it, but uh, yeah. yeah they, just it put loses. it in your kid's sippy bottle. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> it loses a lot of flavor, but uh, this is the single barrel select,
0: 47%. I would say that this, to me, is between the Gentleman's Jack and old number seven. I'd say it's that step because it has a slight bite, a little bit of flavor to it. It's mm-hmm. not as muted as the Gentleman's Jack, But it doesn't have the bite in everything that Jack Daniels has, which I don't think has a bad bite in general, but
2: I would say too where Jack is more like vanilla caramely if you pull those out. This has more sweeter, like
0: Nah, I still get a good bit of caramel. I did too, but I think
2: this has more fruit, like cherry kind of flavors with it as well.
3: Mm. I like this one.
2: Yeah, it's not bad. It's an expense. like, I mean, this is like a little taster kit, but I think if you buy this regularly, it's like a $50 bottle. Really? Yeah. So, but you can pretty much always find it. How much was the kit then? I don't know. It was a Christmas gift, you know. Good Christmas the, gift.
3: Yeah. Did you try any, Clay? I did. Yeah, Did you, you like it? Yeah, it's good. Are you a whiskey drinker or a
1: beer drinker? Or a... I'm more of a rye man, personally.
3: Really? Rye. Okay. 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 Well. Yeah, that would have been, we could have tried some rye tonight. So, for man. our 100th episode,
0: I figured out what we needed to do. Okay. We need to do You a, think we're going
3: to make it to 100?
0: Oh, man. I think we're going to go past 100. <laughs> I hope, man. I think, well, if we don't think like the best of us, then why are we still doing it? <laughs> I think we take a, we drink an American whiskey, an Cana- uh, Irish whiskey, whiskey, and a Canadian rye. On the hundredth episode. Okay, but what about Scotch? What about Scotch? Scotch isn't technically a whiskey. What about
2: a Japanese whiskey? No,
0: nope. just to America, Ireland, and Canada. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there you go. Okay. Uh, what rye do you usually drink? Do you have a go-to?
1: Uh, Bullet. Like okay, bullet. the Bullet rye. Yeah, Sazerac too is a pretty good one. Especially yeah. mm-hmm. when I mix it when I make Sazeracs
2: and okay mix absinthe. Yeah. We've had a Whistle Pig on here. We don't typically drink a lot of ryes.
3: Mm-mm. Mostly bourbons, occasionally a scotch or something else thrown yeah. in there. Or like St. Patty's
2: Day, we did Irish whiskey. Yeah.
3: We did a tequila once. We, we did, did do a tequila.
2: tequila
3: yeah. Not on Cinco de Maya though. No. It was just random. Was just random <laughs> tequila. <laughs> okay. Uh Zach, you got back from Yellowstone? Yeah,
2: my wife and I did a ten day trip to Yellowstone. How was it? Oh uh, dude it was awesome. Was it crowded? Okay, so uh yes it was. But Not as bad as we thought, right? We kept hearing these horror stories of, oh my gosh, it is going to be so many, like there's going to be so many people there. We're going to wait hours and hours and hours to go anywhere, but the crowds were not that bad. What we ended up doing is we knew that one day, like our first day there, we were going to do all of the main like touristy things. Like we were going to do Old Faithful, uh, the Grand Prismatic Spring, some of the other like main springs and geysers. We were going to do that on one day, so we knew like... The first day there, we're just going to sit in traffic and then do these little things. And uh, it was bad. Like, it took about an hour to go, like, 10 miles to get to, like, the next thing. But we knew we were just going to do those three things and then call it a day. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Wednesday and Thursday, we just, like, did hikes. We went fishing on the opposite side from, like, Old Faithful. It's, like, 40 miles on the other side of the park. And there was hardly any traffic at all. I mean, like, you saw people. You saw cars. But it was not what that one little strip was.
3: Gotcha. Um, so I know Yellowstone is a big figure eight. Oh, yeah, with the way the roads work. With the w- way the roads are. And mm-hmm. I know Yellowstone's on the lower left-hand portion of the figure eight, uh, if I remember from the map correctly.
2: West Yellowstone? Ye- where we stayed? Yes.
3: Yeah, it's kind of like...
2: So Yellowstone's a big square, right? Mm-hmm. On the left side or the west side, we West Yellowstone is literally like pretty much right in the middle from like the... Northern point of Yellowstone to the southern point. Okay. So uh, we are like an hour away from Old Faithful and that kind of stuff. like we only did that. But then we went fishing on Wednesday. We went to the northeast corner of Yellowstone, which took us two and a half hours to drive that far. Oh, wow. And it's because it's 45 miles. So it is still like a chunk of miles, but also like it's so windy. And you are running like (laughs) we waited 15 minutes because a buffalo was on a bridge that we couldn't go across. Like, we were literally, like, just waiting for a buffalo to walk across a bridge so we could go, so we could get nice. to the next section. <laughs> Traffic. Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> um, it was so cool, though. Like, we saw so many animals, animals, especially that Wednesday when we decided to drive to go trout fishing. We were going to go catch some... Uh, we fished the Soda Butte, which is, like, the northeast side, because uh, we got some tips that they're... It was fishing really well. And so... We're driving over. We saw a wolf, like, literally running across. Nice. Um, we saw, and it's funny, like, if you ever want to see, like, animals, just go where all the people are looking. And so, <laughs> we found the wolf. We found a grizzly. And to be honest, like, Ken and I had never really fished in grizzly country. Like, uh, you know, you can kind of get worked about black bear, like, in Tennessee and stuff. But, it's like, it feels different being, like, I'm going to fish, where like, there's grizzlies, right? Like, could be anywhere. Um, and so we saw a grizzly on our way to fish, which was kind of nice because we were kind of like, okay, like you know, it kind of put things in perspective for us. Uh, you see bison everywhere, like just all over the place. And then uh, we saw a few bald eagles and stuff while we were driving. And um, so we finally make it over the Soda Butte, kind of fishing. I was expecting the cutthroat to look like the cutthroat we caught in Colorado.
3: Yeah, those were colored up, right where they're, like,
2: yeah. bright gold and, like, these, like, scarlet red bellies and, like, nice, bright um, throat slashes yeah. and everything. But the hybrids there and the cutthroat, the Yellowstone cutthroat, look extremely similar. Like, it's pretty hard to tell. the difference Yeah, they're very
3: muted. And I think the color change happens during spawning.
2: Okay, so we're a couple so months early.
3: So I think a couple months late because I think cutthroats spawn in the spring. That one, okay. I'm pretty sure the spring. Yeah. So, because when we went to New Mexico, that would have been like June or July. Yeah,
2: that was the last week of June when we went. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, But we
2: still we caught like so many fish, and it was cool. Like bison were literally just like chilling. We're casting, you know, trying to stay. We we stayed pretty far away, well, like 25 yards, whatever. And then we kind of go up the Lamar a little bit, and there's this pronghorn that's just like chilling on the bank, and so kind of like our kind of caught a rainbow or a cutthroat. Right by this pronghorn, and um, man, it was awesome. And then Thursday we did some hikes. Uh, we fished a small meadow because Kendall, like her whole dream outside of catching big fish, is she wants to fish like this peaceful meadow where it's just like a beautiful creek running through it, you know? So just
3: a big windy creek, exactly where and it's, it's just open like, and there's no trees, bright like.
2: green exactly. So yeah. we did that Thursday afternoon, and we caught um, just on dries. We caught brown trout. Had a couple hybrids. Maybe hybrids, maybe cutthroat, I don't know. Um because you're supposed to kill any hybrid that you find. But So
3: they want you to kill the cutbows. They want you to kill every cut bow.
2: But the cutbow are very hard to, to to distinguish between the regular uh cutthroats. Yeah. And so that was tough. Yeah. Um so we had slippery hands. But um that was a lot of fun. And then Friday, we had a guide where we floated the Madison. Kendall had never done a float trip before, and Ooh. she loved it. Like, and our, our guide... And y'all were on a
3: drift boat, huh? Yes. Yeah,
2: so, it was yeah. actually... It was my first time in a drift boat. Drift
3: boats are nice, aren't they? They're nice,
2: man. Feels got, like luxury. You got plenty of room to move around. <laughs> yeah. It's... Uh, yeah, it was... um fishing the Madison was great. We caught fish all day long, too. Uh, and our guide was, like, fantastic. And, like, Kendall... There's, like, things that, like, you fish so many times that you just kind of, like, forget how to explain to people. You know what I mean? Until you're, like, you're actually doing it. And with her, uh, a lot of that stuff isn't, like, natural yet. Right? Like, she's been fishing pretty hard the last years, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of that trout, like, just the trout set and stuff, like, just the repetition of being out there and catching and hooking into fish and having a guide watch her and be like, okay, this is what you need to do differently this time. Um, just, like, was awesome. Yeah. So.
3: Yeah, it looks like you guys had a great trip. Did y'all carry bear spray? Uh,
2: We did. We had one can that we carried, and we never really went too far from one another. And then the key thing there is they also just say, like, every time you go around a corner, uh, just yell. Like, hey, bear, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we looked like ridiculous people walking around going, hey, bear, hey, bear, you know. Yeah. And then um, that was mainly when we were fishing. Because when we were hiking, like, there's so many people on the trails that it was like everyone's making noise. It's not really that big of a deal. But fishing, you have the rushing water. And we were just her and I out there. And um, there weren't really any other people around. There was a car that would drive by the road every now and then. Mm-hmm. But What was your highlight of the trip? Oh, that's tough. Uh, the meadow fishing was pretty cool. Catching fish on is, like, is going to be awesome no matter where, what you're doing.
3: Yeah. Um, what was the – I know there's a lot of attractions in Yellowstone. What was your favorite like – attraction like touristy thing yeah the
2: geyser was really like old faithful was really cool
3: mm-hmm. um just
2: we got we got there right at as the one ended before us and so we had like front row seats and we waited like i think like 40 minutes and then
3: is that uh, how often how often it goes yeah off between
2: between 40 minutes to 90 minutes somewhere oh so there.
3: it's not a consistent like every 40 minutes yeah
2: it's like it's faithful you know with like an asterisk you know yeah. So <laughs> yeah. but yeah, every forty to ninety minutes it goes off, um, but it's still it was it was cooler than I expected it to be, you know, if mm. that makes sense, uh, and then as you're driving around, there's like little hot springs and little bubbly things everywhere, different uh, geothermal features and stuff like that, which is really cool. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and I saw uh, you took your new film-ish camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and your pictures are looking good. Thank so far. you. Yeah, so, yeah,
2: yeah. That Fuji X one hundred V is pretty great.
3: Yeah, um, I guess talk you talking about the bear might be a good transition to an article that my dad sent me. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That uh, a lady was killed in Montana. <gasps> yes. Because uh, from a grizzly bear, and that was like very close to where we were staying when we were doing our Smith river trip.
2: Yeah. Our, our guide told us about this too. I guess where they camped was right
3: across the street from like a grocery store and stuff too.
2: But, um, and I wouldn't have known to do this too, but I guess he said that they cooked pretty close to their camp and then she did not change out of the food she cooked in, which I didn't know you actually needed to go through that many measures to make sure. But he said, yeah, like if you, like if you cook, especially pretty like smelly stuff, you need to change your clothes before you go to sleep. So he said they had scared the bear away at one point, and then it actually came back uh, to their campsite.
3: Okay, yeah, I know that she was in a tent, and the bear dragged her out of her tent, Mm -hmm. and then the people in the other tent got out and sprayed it with bear spray. And the last I heard, this was three days later, they were trying to find the bear but hadn't found the bear. Gotcha.
2: Yeah, I don't know if they found the bear or not. Yeah. Um,
3: Yeah, I don't know. You know, do your
2: research before you. You know, if you're in bear country. Uh, especially if you're in Texas, where the worst thing we have to worry about is a water moccasin chasing you down. But yeah, I don't know. It was fun, but we definitely got that first night. We got a little in our heads like, we were like, okay, we're gonna go <laughs> middle of nowhere, nobody's gonna be around, we're gonna be in grizzly country, you know. So uh, it's a little intimidating at first, but,
3: but when first, I've also uh, heard, you know, people talk about it's like, oh, such a low percentage you'll get attacked by a bear, but that percentage is accounting for the people that never go outside. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're considering the whole U.S. population when they come up with those percentages. Oh, less than a .01% chance you'll get attacked by a bear. But for the people that spend a lot of time outside hunting, fishing, camping, those odds are way higher for oh, that yeah. group of people.
2: Well, it's like, you know, how many people saw a grizzly in their in the last week? And it's like, well, you have to be outside to see a grizzly. Yeah.
3: You know? Yeah. Well, you're
2: playing the odds at that point. Yeah. Oh, exactly.
3: All right, Cliff. How was your Florida trip? It was good. That's it? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> well, technically, it was
0: Alabama. We were in Orange Beach, Gulf Shores area. Mm. I got down there, spent a few days with my dad, and then the rest of the time I was with my mom and her side of the family, my sister and her daughters. So, my nieces, my brother in law, my brother were all down there, which I haven't seen my nieces since for about two years. Mm-hmm. And then I hadn't seen my sister in at least a year. Yeah. So it was good to see them. It looked like you did some fishing. I did. Um,
2: conventional, right?
0: Yeah, I did do conventional fishing, just surf fishing. And the, re- the my thought process behind it was I don't ever get to see my nieces and hang out with them, so I didn't want to be – off whipping my fly rod around and taking time away when I can still fish, but play and watch them too. For so, sure, dude. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. So I just went and bought a cheap uh, pin reel and rod and some stuff.
2: Little um, uh, little combo kit? Yeah,
0: it's a little combo kit. The rod itself was no more than $70. Nice. So did that, got everything set up, and I was able to actually call... One fish, I hooked into at least two, and I got one to hand, which was a, a little cat fish. I'm assuming hardhead. I don't really know how to identify them all that well because I don't really catch them. I did catch it. He almost got me, and I know all of them have stingers, and it's not fun, but I specifically know hardheads hit <laughs> extremely hard. So I was really nervous about getting hit, and he started, like, buzzing and flaring out his fins and everything. And at that point, I pretty much just was, like, nope, and, like, true palmed him, like, to keep everything down to pull the hook out. And then I just Mm. threw him back. Um, So that's the only one I got to hand. I got one bite, and I was reeling in, but my drag was set to softly Mm -hmm. and so he ended up jumping off
3: was it a hard head too or
0: was it something else yeah i I couldn't tell you it came off 20 feet into the Mm. water so i could never see it i just know something was actually on there because it was fighting and i was fighting it for a bit and then the drag just
3: let it go well you had a life-changing event happen in florida yeah
0: I, uh, <laughs> I got engaged. Congratulations. Congratulations. So, a,
2: you don't sound happy right now, though. Why? I am happy. I think he's embarrassed. He's we're embarrassed. put him on the spot. A little bit. He's red as his shirt. Everyone, <laughs>
3: everyone
0: keeps on asking, does it feel different or anything? And my answer is, no, it feels honestly about the same right now. Because yeah. we're not like planning anything yet, or at least... I'm not
3: what what was your advice to Cynthia about wedding
0: timing oh we we did start talking about time frames and stuff to kind of get an idea and she mentioned that she wanted a fall wedding and even when we were dating I always said nothing during hunting season so she mentioned she would like a fall wedding and I said I'll concede to you we can do a fall wedding so it's not as hot But the second week of October, and after, it's no go. So you got to get it done before then, or it goes to the next year.
2: I don't feel like I got a lot many options when when uh, we were planning the wedding. Uh, I mean,
3: (laughs) you didn't get options because Kendall didn't give you options. Is that what you're saying? But
2: also, like, I wasn't fighting for options either. Yeah, I was like,
3: I I I didn't. I I don't really.
2: Well, I told I
0: told her up front, like she's known this. I've been a hunter ever since we started dating. She knows this. She knows it's a passion that I'm going to do it. That's true. So she can do it in deer and duck season. There's just a higher likelihood of me showing up in waiters.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
3: I'd see you get married in waiters. They'd be pretty great. (laughs) Let's try not to let that happen. (laughs) Well, cool. Congratulations, Cliff. Thank you. We're happy for you. And I think I speak for myself, everyone in this room, and all of our listeners when I say it's about dang time. About time. I know that's the sentiment of the majority of my friends. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about our listeners, though. Um, So I posted a pretty... uh, Uh, Not controversial, but it sparked some interesting conversations on Instagram. I posted a picture of a cichlid that we caught on that Lano trip that we did. Okay. Like way back. A long time ago. A long time ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, and everyone's always hyped on Guadalupe Bass, and I – posted something along the lines of, I think I prefer to catch cichlids <laughs> over Guadalupe bass. <laughs> what do you think? And then everyone, the Guadalupe bass defenders came out and droves. And Did anybody pull for the cichlid? Uh, I, yeah, there were um, uh, one guy at the very end pulled okay. for a cichlid. Gotcha. Yeah, But isn't a cichlid is the same as a Rio? And isn't
0: this the no, year yeah. of the Rio? Yeah, Rio Grande Cichlid. Yeah. Rio Grande yeah. Cichlid, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, so isn't this the year of the
3: Rio anyway? No, the, Rio, the year, year of the Rio was 20. No, it's 21. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh. But that's that. a Facebook group, like, specific. That's Pat's thing. It's right. like, the year of the Rio, we're going to post Rio Grande Ciclo pictures, bring awareness to the Rio, so, like, gotcha. bring some steam. But I don't think that that is a popular-held opinion. I think that they're both fun fish to catch.
0: Mm-hmm. They are fun fish
3: I, to catch. I will
0: say, between the two, I would probably rather catch Guadalupe bass. Why? Because cichlids normally get those warts and stuff on it that look like an STD on the side of the fish.
2: <laughs> yeah, they are. They are weird though, aren't they? <clears throat>
0: and so thus, I'm like, uh, you can, I'll catch you, I'll handle it, but it's not my favorite one But to it handle. is like,
2: hey, give me some hand sanitizer. Yeah. Like, I <laughs> feel like my hands are going to start itching afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, the ones there at that state park they they have that that rash all over the side of them.
3: Yeah, it's one state park where that's everyone I catch has has that that. but more wildish than the particular state park are like clean.
2: Yes. Yes. I will say that state park is about the only time I actually ever see it like that. So
0: it's like the trap house for the cichlids. It's (laughs) you know. Everybody's at the state park.
2: Um me what at do the you park. think, Zach? It's going down. <laughs> <laughs> uh I do I love quads. Um I do. I think cichlids because they're not harder to catch, but they're more rare. They are exciting when you do catch them. Mm-hmm. But there's something about going out and just catching guads all day.
3: Well guad yeah. is a guarantee, and like if you're fishing for one, you're basically fishing for the other. So right. you can catch both at the Right, you can target both, both. you know, because you throw on a Rio uh,
2: Rio getter and you can...
3: My argument is, I understand the Guadalupe Bass is the state fish of Texas. My mar- argument is that Rio's being harder to catch, in my opinion, and more rare. There's a greater sense of accomplishment yeah. when I catch a Rio. Therefore, that's why I would put, give the Rio the slight nod. Yeah. And rios yeah. are
2: are they're so pretty
3: too. It's a galaxy in I your do, hand. Yeah. I do
2: think
0: that they're pretty fish minus the warts, mm-hmm. but uh.
2: <laughs> Clay,
3: do you do you have an opinion? Have you fished for both or no, we we talked about this on the way here. I'm more of a spear fisherman, so Oh, really? are you? <laughs> okay. Ooh. So. Like free
0: diving spear fisherman? Yeah.
3: Oh. let okay, let's talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cuz I am
0: I've, interested. I've tried to learn it a little bit and it's hard to hold your breath that long. Do you do, use tanks, or are you no, still like no, free diving? Free diving that, with the that snorkel. That lung capacity is hard to overcome. Well, we were doing
1: it primarily off the Florida Keys, so the water was okay. only about four inches deep. So oh. it was a lot easier there. But gotcha. <clears throat> yeah, it was.
0: I, 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 it's something that I want to try. Like, give it an actual like. Have someone show me, like, this is how you're supposed to do it instead of me just watching YouTube videos and trying to learn it and then go into a dive shop and being like. Well, that's
1: how we learned. Yeah. but well, Actually, minus the YouTube, we just went in the dive shop and we were like, that looks cool. Let's buy that and that and that. <laughs> that's pretty much And we're what going I, fishing. Here that's pretty go. much what
0: I did last year when I went to Florida. I mean, I came back with fins, uh, masks, goggles, all this stuff.
3: And I've never used it again. <laughs> so I I am interested in spearfishing as like uh, invasive species mm-hmm. out of rivers. What is the – can you spearfish in hill country rivers? Yeah. And to remove invasive species? Because I know like – take the San Marcos, for example. I know there's a ton of tilapia in the San Marcos. It would be super fun to go and do that in the San Marcos and pull tilapia out of the river – You know, clean them up, eat them, but and then also we're doing the river a service by removing an invasive species. Yeah, that's all. That's
1: all you can spear in Texas. In freshwater in Texas is is exotics. Is exotics okay? Okay. So we would shoot. We went to the Devil's River and we shot tilapia and carp. Okay. Okay. Just threw the you know cut the carp's head off, threw them on the bank. And we kept the What kind in. of
0: spear are you using? Are you using like an actual spear gun? Or are you using like the Hawaii, Hawaiian? No, sling we style? started
1: with the Hawaiians. Well, we started with the pole spear. Um, never used a Hawaiian sling too much. They're just a little. Ran the. I was afraid to lose my sh- spear shaft, which mm-hmm. we had that conversation. I, already, I lost mine once with a with a big barracuda, but um, I migrated up to a, like a AB Biller, about a forty some odd inch wooden gun. And that was just something that it was a lot better than that little bitty short aluminum thing mm-hmm. that I started with. It's only about I don't know eighteen inches or something. So you didn't have a lot of reach. It's really main thing is it's the further out there your the longer your spear gun is, the more reach you get on the fish. Mm-hmm. The closer you can get to the fish because my my experience the shaft only goes about twice as or about as far as the length of the. Mm-hmm. spear gun before it starts losing velocity and doing weird things in the water. So if you can't, I can reach out there and shoot them. And, yeah. So like, there's no
0: such thing as like a long distance spear gun
1: down. Well, I mean, yeah, if it's 10 feet long, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not in my experience, but we've used bands. Our, our guns are all banded. So, um, I don't know. They may have some newer technology. Granted my stuff's golly from when I was in grad school. So I was about 20 years ago. So, they may have come a long way now, but I haven't. I haven't really looked into it. I just use what I know works for me. Yeah.
3: So. so, are like if if I wanted to go to San Marcos, it can we just get in the river and spear fish, or is there? I mean, I'm if, sure with people swimming and yeah, you, you know, you don't
1: want to do it around people, obviously, yeah. just for safety's sake. Yeah, you know, the rubber hatch, right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to, you know, you don't want people one. And and a lot of people are inquisitive, they're curious when they see you. They're like, "Oh, what are you doing?" And you tell them, "Hey, oh, we're, we're getting exotics out of the river or whatever." And they're like, "Oh," so. But it's they're curious, and people are going to gather around you, and then you're going to have, you know, you don't you don't want to do it where there's a lot of people just for, because you're swimming around with a you know you got a knife that you got to kill the fish with, and yeah. you got a spear gun that's on a that could go off and send a shaft going in the wrong direction or mm-hmm. something. So, and they do bounce off things. I mean, they'll bounce off a rock if you really shoot through a fish or something yeah. or miss a fish so you know you just want to be safe but is there an yeah. additional license
0: that you have to carry for the state of texas no to spearfish? no because i know like when i was in florida is that a fishing my, license yeah okay yeah. Uh, when i was in alabama and i was buying my fishing license they had a special like spear you fishing. also had to put a spearfishing really? endorsement on it yes. interesting
1: now in florida we didn't ever have one in here we just had I have always just buy a Super Combo, and it's yeah, it covers got everything, everything right. on yeah. it. But, yeah, we don't have a
3: special license for spears here. Maybe we should hit that up, Landon. I'd be interested, especially, like, with invasives and stuff. I know, like, Plecostomus are crazy in the San Antonio River. That's a whole other issue with just Do being the San Antonio in But I know the San Marcos has all kinds of exotics in it, mm. and it'd be just be fun to... I don't know. I know people like spearfish the jetties and stuff like that, but it's always so choppy, and I don't want to get thrown up against the rocks. I think it'd just be more fun to go for a day and pull exotics out, keep some tilapia. Yeah, doing a good service for the river yeah. and having some fun. Yeah, let's do it.
0: Yep, learn something new. Do you use a wetsuit
1: or do you just go board shorts and? No, it was ninety degrees in the water in Florida. So, <laughs> so naked with fins. Naked with fins. <laughs> Have fins, we'll travel.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that's awesome. I think we're ready to get into our articles. Yeah, ready? All right, I'll go first. Um, We don't have a thing for Florida Man yet. We don't have a soundbite for Florida Man. Maybe Evan can work on that for us. I wonder if we could pull like um, a sound clip from a news station that was like Florida, like a title line. I think it should just be the Seminole chant the seminal (laughs) chant (laughs) yeah but maybe evan can work on that for us florida man title so florida man alleged home burglar shot said he was being chased by dinosaurs what so this guy broke into a woman's house because he was thought he was being chased by dinosaurs um basically he tried to go into the door, but it was locked, so he broke a window and jumped in the house, and the whole time was screaming that he was being chased by dinosaurs, and this woman that was in the house shot him in the arm.
4: Oh, man.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Police think uh, he was arrested, obviously, and they think that he uh, ingested drugs. Okay. Uh, they didn't know. They think he ingested <laughs> drugs? Yeah. Um. They, yeah, this is what the article says. They think he ingested drugs based on what he had said, and uh, he had said he may have ingested some bad drugs. Okay, that's what he said. That's so what he, he claimed said. claimed he might have, okay. Yeah, um, and he was taken to a hospital where he survived. Um, oh, and it ends with officials say Roberts may have broken into as many as four homes Tuesday morning. Running from this. these dinosaurs? Yeah, running running from dinosaurs. Did he, he take anything? What, like, he is this s- like a cover-up? Like, this hey, is, is like dinosaurs the world's shortest article.
2: So do you think he was taking anything? Or do you think he, dinosaurs were actually after him?
3: No, I think it was. Did he say what kind of dinosaurs? This is Florida, man. I mean, also, Florida
2: has some weird animals. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's some, like, there's, uh, somebody's bringing back a Komodo and releasing it in the wild because they don't want to take care of it anymore in Florida, you know? Like Did he the, say what kind of
3: drugs he was on? No, <laughs> he just said bad drugs. Because, like, don't they have, like,
2: a native population of, like, I'll tell you, myth, pythons but it's now because people are, like, people are releasing them? Oh, yeah, the
3: python thing is an interesting topic okay, we so talk if, about one if, time.
2: If you were on drugs and you're out there and you see a gigantic python, like, you're, you might think that's a dinosaur. Yeah, but this sounds like... I cool. still think if the kicker is
0: your own drugs. Like, that's the
2: for point right. one that you've already made can, a lot of mistakes. I, like, I can see the steps for a guy thinking that in Florida, he's running from a dinosaur. Like, yes, he has to be on drugs, and you have to find a gigantic Burmese python there. But if you put those two things together, it's probably a dinosaur. Or it could have been a tegua lizard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I
3: mean. or could have watched Jurassic Park while know. he was taking the drugs, <laughs> and then it became a little too real,
2: yeah. and started running. That was probably a bus advertisement for a Jurassic <laughs> Park. Movie Passed him by. Uh, uh, was, Florida man stories never disappoint. No, Florida no. man's always great. All right, you guys ready? Yep. All right, we got a creature watch yeah, this week. So, this week, guys, I'm bringing you the story of the Dismet Lake Monster. Do you guys know where Dismet Lake is? Mm-mm. It's in Wyoming. Uh, so, Lake Dismet, not only attracts fishermen, apparently it's this lake that's in Wyoming that's really popular for people to go fish. Uh, it's got some cutthroats, or uh, not cutthroats, it's got some grayling, some browns, crappie, but it also has a creature known as Smetty. So, kind of like Nessie, right? We want our own. So, we have Smetty. When would you guys say the first sighting of Smetty happened?
3: This is Wyoming? Yes.
0: 19... 1920. Okay. 44. 1944? 19... I'm going to say it's not during World War II. People got you put so different.
3: much thought into this every <laughs> time. Deductive <laughs> it's reasoning. <kinda> great. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you give us so much thought. Yeah. 1956,
2: 1920. Uh, 1890. 1890. Okay, you see 44? All right, it was 1925 Ooh. is when the first sighting was. Yeah. Um, so, told you it wasn't during World War II. They got other things <laughs> to <worry about. laughs> So, if you were out there, you might think, like, well, how do I know if I'm seeing Smetty? So local ranchers actually tell stories about seeing a 30 to 40-foot long-looking creature. It's about as long as a telephone pole, and they say it has, they say a lard bucket, not large bucket, so like a fat bucket is attached, and that's kind of what its head looks like. So maybe it's a snake that guess got stuck in a bucket. But uh, other people say it also has a bony ridge along its back, right? So you might see like some spikes come along its backside, and those people say that it has actually like a horse's head. That kind of like uh, is the main thing of it, right? It is all gray, kind of like scaly, slimy creature. But people say that it also kind of mimics like an alligator. Like it will just kind of hang out in the top water column, kind of poking up a little bit, right? Kind of like if you see Nessie, you kind of notice those little things coming around. Now, people say like when they take sonar, they can't really find anywhere. But this, this lake is apparently very deep. And there are some rumors that it actually has subterranean caverns that go all the way out to the Pacific Ocean. And they say this because there are actually stories of fishermen going missing from the lake, right? I'm calling BS on that. That's a long way to travel. But this is why they think this. Because there are fishermen who they know go fish on this lake and then they go missing and they find their boats in the Pacific Ocean 1,200 uh, miles away. I'm calling BS. Oh, well, yeah. That's what they say.
3: Follow the facts, Cliff. Follow the facts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so fact facts number
0: one is that would be an insane journey of underwater or underground caverns from this lake to the Pacific Ocean.
2: Yeah, 12 miles.
0: Second thing is how is a boat going to go under, huh. float this n- navigable... Channel of water underground, twelve hundred miles. It doesn't to float.
2: Smitty brings it.
0: Oh, calm.
2: No, like like how, <laughs> Jaws, <laughs> like how Jaws pulled the yellow buoys underneath the water. Uh. Smitty grabs the. I, I don't know. The fishing boat might have been like a large kayak. You know, they're pulling it under and they're taking it twelve hundred miles. I can see it. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, how did Smitty come to be? Right? How did this gigantic lizard? Think he, this is
0: a fake creature? They
2: don't think it's a like an old dinosaur that has made it for for years and years. Um, there are actually stories around the native population around the area that say that there was this couple and they're about to be married, and the the man fell in love with this creature that he saw in the lake. Right, it was like this water maiden, like a mermaid, but he actually broke things off with the woman who he was supposed to marry. Now the woman's dad was the chief so he gets mad about it meanwhile the girl goes and she drowns in the lake out of like sadness so they essentially take care of this guy right by they throw him in the river they drown him and then he essentially lives on as this smetty creature in the lake
0: this sounds like a bunch of folklore to me
2: well i don't who knows
0: all, it depends. All, it, depen- <laughs> it depends. <laughs>
2: it depends. It um, depends. So there's, if you guys are interested, there's actually a guy named Edward Gillette uh, who wrote Locating the Iron Trail, and he wrote a book in 1925 that actually chronicles and notes all of the observations of Smetty in the lake to Smet. So you can go out
3: there, catch a fish, maybe see some Smetty.
4: Hmm.
3: Maybe end up in the Pacific Ocean. Maybe, maybe. end up in the Pacific Ocean. Huh.
0: I feel like if if people actually thought that there's a connecting waterway from this lake to the Pacific Ocean, someone would try and do that dive or have a submarine or something like that.
2: Somebody does it all the time.
0: I, I'm, I don't think Smitty's real. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Cliff, you get caught up in the details. Yeah. <laughs> that's where the devil lives. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs>
4: that was good. <laughs>
2: right. So yeah, so that's the story of Smitty. Smitty's good. I, th- I think it's like Nessie. I think we wanted our own Nessie, so we tried to make it work.
3: Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I could see that. I really, I know we talked about before you not saying what your next sticker was, but I think it'll be done by the time uh, by the time this podcast comes out because you said by the end of the week. Yeah, so you want to talk about it? Yeah, talk about it.
2: Yeah, so we're going to have a sticker. I think, actually, I'm kind of creating it so it could be a T-shirt because I think it'd be a cool T-shirt. Uh-huh. Um, but it's going to say, Take Me To. I don't think that should be a T-shirt. Oh, man. <laughs> it, it, wait till you see it. It's going to be Do great. Do you have any mock-ups, handy? I don't have any mock-ups with me, now. My uh, iPad was dead at home. Um, and it's gonna say, "Take me to the Chupa Copper Tent," and it's gonna have a big old white tent, Chupa Copper hand coming out holding this
3: five dollars. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we still need to do that. It's gonna be yeah. great.
3: when's the San Antonio? Uh, no, it's fair? not. It's
2: not the. It's the Kendall County Fair. When's the Kendall County Fair? It's I'm coming up. I think it's like end of August, early September.
3: Yeah, and hopefully that's, that's better than my San Antonio Zoo chupacabra experience. Yeah. However, I will say so last It tells me it won't. <laughs> no. no. Jim Bob won five bucks
2: to take you to the back of a tent to see a chupacabra. doesn't doesn't sound good. But we'll see what happens. However, last time I went to the Kendall County Fair, they were not there. Maybe it was a bad year for chupacabras. Might have been. They didn't get one. They didn't get one. How do you explain the unexplainable? That warmth that fills you up from the inside out? Does it come from the air, the sea, the sun, the people? Or is it something that can't be put into words? Because Aruba is more than a beautiful island. It's a feeling that brings out a happier, sunnier you. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your next visit at aruba.com. This
0: episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour voice remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com contour.
3: Well, let's move on to our main topic, which is our conversation with Clay. So I think the main thing, we were having a conversation maybe two episodes ago or last episode about uh, the Drawn Hunt program that uh, people can sign up for now. And I know I personally signed up for some Drawn Hunts, and we didn't understand how the point system worked for Texas so maybe to start our conversation off and get it rolling, would you talk about how the point system for Texas works? Sure.
1: Yeah, so what we have, like, unlike some, a lot of the western states, they have a preference point system. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Texas has what we call a loyalty point system. So every time you apply for a category, no matter how many areas you put in in that category, and you don't get drawn, you get one preference point that rolls over for the next year. Okay. Basically, what
3: happens in the next in ex- so, next year? So, yeah, let me let me. Give I'm going to ask a follow up question of that. So, no matter how many hunts you put in for, you will get one preference point yeah. for that area the next year. Now, well, no, it's for the category. Point, so, like, so
0: if you're doing duck hunts, yes, if you're doing and you put in for five, only one point carries You get over. one point okay.
1: in that category. Yeah, so for like. Some of our popular categories, like uh, general deer, either sex, mm-hmm. gun deer, either sex. You know, I mean, we have my 40 areas or something on there. A lot of people, they put in for all of them. Right. And, but they only get one preference
2: point. Because they're just doing the general just deer. Just the category, they're... yeah. So but general deer would be different than archery deer. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So and we actually,
1: we have 61 different categories in the in the program. Wow, okay. So that you can choose from. Some are youth categories, some are archery, some are federal Land summer e postcard and stuff, right. and we may get into that here in a little bit. Yeah, I, we
2: have. I know we have yeah. questions about
3: that, but I don't want to jump ahead. So I know. Okay, let's take me for example. I know I put in for every antelope hunt available, mm-hmm. um, and there are there's a public land option, and mm-hmm. there are some private land options. Right. Are those all under the same? No,
1: okay. those are different categories. So the private lands pronghorn hunts mm-hmm. that's a category of itself.
2: Okay, so you can right.
1: apply for all those and you get one. If you don't get selected, you get one preference point for next year.
2: Okay. Now, does okay. that preference point just go if you apply for the exact same category? Or yes. does it go for okay. – No,
1: it goes – so it's by the category. You okay. get a loyalty – I said preference point. And you get a loyalty point um, for each category that you apply in, no matter how many areas. And if you don't get selected in that category that year, that loyalty point rolls over for the next year. And so basically what happens, the next year is when you reapply – your name goes in the hat so to speak the the application that you have this year mm-hmm. and as many loyalty points as you have from previous years right so our system is a purely random draw um and we don't have our loyalty points basically they your name just goes in the hat more times unlike some western states that have preference points mm-hmm. where after you get they have very complex algorithms and stuff that determine you know after so many years of putting in and not getting selected you're you get put in this little bitty smaller category and you have a better chance ours is purely random so one person that puts in for the very first year can get selected just like somebody that puts in has been putting in the same category for 20 years except that guy's name's in the hat 20 times and your name's only in the hat once. Gotcha, okay. What
3: happens if you skip a year and don't apply? Doesn't matter. You don't, you you don't you lose. You do not lose your loyalty points okay. in Texas. And
1: l- until you get selected. Until you get selected. So there's a caveat to that. So there's a lot lot going on with the, the loyalty points. So when you get selected, there's nothing to say that you can't get selected. F- if you put in for two areas or two, two or three different areas in the same category, there's nothing to say that you – can't get selected for more than one area in the category. It's highly unlikely because of the number of applicants that are in there and the limited number of permits, but you could get selected. So to try to cut down on that and open up more hunting opportunities so we don't have, I mean, it was very, very rare that somebody got selected for two hunts in the same category, but occasionally it did happen. So we thought, well, we could potentially be losing hunter opportunity because maybe the guy he accepts both permits, but then he can't go to both of them. So we lose one of those; doesn't get fulfilled.
2: Okay, so if he, if it, somebody does win two, they can go to both. They can go to both. Yes. It's not like no. A, you if get they one buy the
1: permit for both of them, they can go to both. Like of you them. said, it's an extremely but
0: slim if they chance. Don't show up for one. Do walk-ons,
1: are they able to get in on that? Because I know, like,
0: last year, me and him tried to do a walk-on, and, I mean, it was full, but by the time we got there. Yeah, so it
1: depends if they're taking standbys or not, if they're taking walk-on hunters or not. Some areas choose not to. The WMA I used to manage, we were so remote, I didn't take standby hunters. So I only took my first and secondary draw guys, and when they showed up, if I had a vacant spot – it just it went, went unfilled. Yeah, but um, I wanted to backtrack about. So, what we did try to alleviate the issue of maybe somebody getting drawn twice is your name goes in the hat so many times. And what we've done now is we've reprogrammed the system so the most popular area in that category by this year's that year's applications is the first one that gets drawn. So the area that has the most applicants in it that's the most popular that year we draw that one first and then the system just cycles down through the next ones okay so if you let's say you had 15 loyalty points for whatever the most popular area was in this category you got drawn on that first time right Uh okay it doesn't kick you out it's not a one time we're not kicking you out and saying you can only get a get drawn for one Area in this category now, but what we've done is after you get drawn the first time in that category, for whatever area, we we basically take your loyalty points down to one.
3: So basically, it's like it, it makes you start over. It makes you start over. You're points.
1: still you're still in the running for all the other areas, but you've gotten drawn once. So instead of your name being in the in the hat fifteen times for the most popular area and then fifteen times for the least popular area, and chances are you might get drawn for both, and then you're like, "eh, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I can't go to both of those." Right. But you buy the or
2: whatever. We're just photos. trying
1: to spread the wealth around a little bit, right? So, so if you
2: get drawn on the first one, immediately the system knows, okay, this person yep. was drawn, so they are in it one time, one
1: time, time, okay, from and then after, so. Another thing that we did to only complicate matters for people and make it a little, is we had, especially in some of our more popular categories, we have some people that, because it's purely random draw, we had people that have been applying for years and haven't got selected. Um, so we tried to address that because some of these hunters, honestly, are getting up in age, and we want to, we don't have a way, we can't just select somebody. Yeah, It is a purely random draw, it is computer- Driven right. There's no, even
2: if you wanted to, there's no, nothing. You there can is do. no
1: way we can select a individual hunter. <sighs> right. So it is completely autonomous and automated. Once, once the deadline closes, the computer takes over, and the computer's doing everything. Um, we had some requests from the public to try to balance the scales a little more. So what we did last year was cube loyalty points, which so
2: it's like you get three times the amount. You like get three times
1: that amount. So if you have 1, you still just have one time. Your name is in the hat one time. Right. But if you have 20, then your name is in the hat 20 times. 20 20 times 20. Times 20. 20 times 20, whatever. That yeah, yeah, yeah. how many thousand times. It helps. Yeah. We did we did rat our our the loyalty point draw um percentage slid up the scale uh-huh. a little. But we still have people that put in the first year that got drawn,
2: right? And we like, did
1: draw some of those high end people. Okay, we, so
2: you're really trying to help those people who have been putting in for twenty years, yes. had never drawn because
1: they're the. I mean, they're the obviously they're the, the loyalty. They're the loyal hunters. They right. have the most loyalty they points. They put the most so money. They've into been this. putting in for twenty years. Right. Really yeah. So we're trying to give them, without completely changing the way everything works yeah. and com- and changing and making it not a completely random draw. We've done this. It seemed to have worked because it did slide the scale a little bit. Uh-huh. We're starting to draw a little bit higher numbers of loyalty points. The other thing people have to remember is if you put in as a group, and I, I think we're going to talk about yeah. this later too, but if you put in as a group, your loyalty points in the, all the members of the group, your loyalty points get combined okay, and averaged.
2: And averaged. And okay. averaged.
1: So if you've got 20, one guy's got 10, and one guy puts in for the first year, it's averaged 10. Right. And then cubed.
2: Okay. And then your name goes in those. Do you guys think you're going to keep the cube system?
1: For the time being, yes. Yeah. Um, we don't want to we, – we try – I mean, we made a f- couple of programming changes last year and the year before. The one, the recalculating the loyalty points, that was the year before. Last year was cubing them. Um, so, every time we change a program, it – you know, obviously, they have to rewrite programs, so it right. costs money. So we're going to try to see how this works yeah. for the time being, okay? And just see, we're going to let it ride for a couple of years and see if it keeps sliding that scale. If the sale, if the scale stops, if it evens out or whatever, right. we're just, but we need to see. We need to
3: kind of let it breathe yeah. and test it out, see it How yeah. it works, yeah. Um, so we're currently on the cube system mm-hmm. and are for the foreseeable future, yes. as of right now.
1: So, yeah, I mean, your, 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 point, your loyalty points only get cubed during the draw. As soon as the draw is over, I mean, you still go back to whatever your 20 loyalty points were. Oh, it. it doesn't carry over 30,000 loyalty points because right, right. then it would just bog the system no, completely no.
2: down. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, it's 20 cubed. Yeah, the next 20 year would be 21. 1 cubed, cubed. yes. Yeah. Whatever the 20 times 20 right. times 20 yes. Yes. cubed. Now, does this back. system
3: apply to every type of hunt? that people can apply for. So I know there's some specialty hunts like Grand Slam hunt.
1: So Grand Slams are completely different. That is a completely different that is not in our public draw. They are sold through license sales. They are a completely different drawn system. Okay. So that does not apply because and it's on it
3: it's <laughs> even on I've noticed it's even on a different website. Yes, because so those, all of those hunts that are available there specialty. Yeah, the alligator, the 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 Grand Slam. Those do not that does not apply to the loyalty system. It doesn't get multiplied or
2: anything. No, you
1: do not get that is a that is another completely random draw, but on those, like people can buy a couple hundred. You can buy as many permits oh buy your own. Yeah. As many many chances as you want that year. You can just dole out as much money as you want and buy I'm gonna buy fifteen hundred Grand Slam chances. Uh-huh. Right.
2: And they're what, like five bucks a piece or so? Ten.
1: Ten bucks a piece. Yeah. yeah. But, and it's like, you know, you can do that. But
2: at the end of the year, all that's gone. Right. You start back. Next however, year, you next year, year if you buy ones.
1: one, you're in there
2: one time. Gotcha. Okay, Okay. So you, you brought up the e postcard then. Yeah. So we know that the, the trophy, the grand slam, all that, those are a separate system. Yep. The e postcard is one way. Yeah. And
1: those do not accrue loyalty points. I don't
3: think I know what the e postcard so is.
1: So e postcard hunts are. They, there used to be postcard hunts, is what they were. So you literally, fill you out a literally and filled it in. out a postcard and you sent it to the area that you wanted to hunt. Okay. They offered a deer hunt. People would fill out a postcard and they would send it in.
2: Who would offer it to begin with? Was it? Parks it was the Wildlife? WMA, yeah, okay.
1: the WMA or the state park or whatever, whatever it that, was. And, but they did it, you know. They were going to have it locally, and people just mailed a postcard to them, and then they would put the postcards in a bucket or whatever, (laughs) shake it around, throw them up in the air, and whichever, however, they chose them. Right. You know, um, that's how they picked them. Well, with technology improving and reaching more people, we decided let's go electronic. Mm. We kept the postcard name. Um, People
2: were familiar with it. Right.
1: So now it's just an electronic postcard. You do apply. Through our drawn hunt system, uh-huh. um, the difference between that and our regular drawn regular draw hunts is our regular draw hunts have an application fee, okay. so three to ten dollars depending on which category it is for each area that you apply for. With an e postcard hunt, there is no application fee at the time of applying, but you have to have an annual public hunting permit associated with your hunting license before you can apply right
2: so you can't apply for those until after the 15th august
1: 15th licenses and aphs go on sale once you buy that it gets loaded into the system it won't even let you apply for any postcard because when you go to apply the system cross-references your license holdings to make sure that you have any postcard and if you don't it's like eh, you're required to buy any postcard or correction uh uh, aph to apply for this e-postcard hunt so then it gives you actually links you to a license sale so you can go in there and buy your a p h and then you can right. go back and start applying yeah. again
2: so you can apply for a drawn hunt without an a p h yes
1: you don't even have to have a hunting license a valid hunting license to apply for the drawn
2: hunts but when if you win and you go you, then you have you to have to
1: have a hunting license and you have to pay you have to accept the permit fee and accept the applicate or accept the permit and pay the permit fee
2: how much of the permit um fees they run are in range
1: so they're eighty five let me see I always get this confused. There, so our short our short hunts are eighty, and short hunts are what like a weekend? They're about yes, two to three, two days, three days. Okay, uh, where does that money? Where did I put that list? I got so many notes here, and I always get these confused. The the big one is the the four day hunts are one hundred thirty dollars, and I believe the
2: others are sixty five. Okay, now there are some that are like a seven day hunt, like a full week.
1: Yeah, those are those are generally our guided hunts. Okay, and they're. A little bit
2: different. Okay, so and the um, the one that's like at Caprock Canyon, or Palo Duro, I forget which one for the the sheep. That is one of the trophy hunts, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, even, so. even though it's on the state park. Yes, I think it's a
1: it's a big time Texas hunt. Okay.
2: Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, because they only select like three or four people for mm-hmm. that. I think and I, it's like a seven or nine day thing.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think they have. I know. I know, uh, they so have, I know the Texas bighorn. Uh, you can get one via the Grand Slam yes. hunt, and I know there's one tag. Yeah, we up. have a
1: guided hunt, for which is just a bighorn sheep hunt that's in our public hunting program. Okay. And then there's a big-time Texas hunt that's a grand. the Grand Slam right, has thanks. bighorn, pronghorn, whitetail, and mule deer. In. Right. So um, every once in a while, depending on survey numbers and population numbers, we might have more than one drawn right. hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the... the Guided bighorn hunts, but that very rarely. Happens. Gotcha.
3: I guess I'm still confused on the e-postcard. How is it different than the drawn? I understand the system and applying and everything. Is it different types of public land? No. Is it- no. Actually, some of the
1: some of the same areas that have drawn hunts
3: have e-postcard
1: hunts. Okay. They just have them for different species. Like Richmond Creek will have. They have drawn deer hunts but then they have e-postcard waterfowl hunts. Okay, or let's not versa. talk about those. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean they're basically they're they're drawn hunts. They're in the drawn hunt system. Uh-huh. It's just the permit fee and the application process is the application process is exactly the same because you're still using the same interim, the same system. Just yeah. one it's, has to be
2: checked against your APH. Right.
1: You have to have the only difference is you have to have an APH to apply for an e postcard mm-hmm. hunt. Prior to applying, and then the other drawn hunts have an applic- a application fee that you apply at the beginning when you yep. apply. Which and is what I did right. this year. Yes, and then if you're selected, then there is a permit fee. Okay, so says like I'm
2: accepting this yes, hunt. Yes,
1: I'm accepting this hunt. You will receive an email. You have 10 days to accept the permit. And pay the permit fee, and then that locks you in, and that hunt is now yours.
2: If you guys, do, if they do not respond within ten days, do you guys redraw? Yes. Okay. If
1: they, if they take, if they're taking secondary draws, which most a lot of areas do, mm-hmm. um, well, that permit gets canceled, and then the system will gotcha. redraw somebody else to take that place.
2: Okay. So okay. okay, so postcard versus a regular draw, similar system. Just yeah. If if they check the APH and just kind of.
1: Yeah. And a postcard hunt, there's no secondary draw. You get selected, you're going.
2: Uh, is there one like you said postcards do not get multiplied um Is there one that more people apply for more often? are there more opportunities with one? Um, it just kind of depends I
1: mean, we've got roughly all things all things total we have roughly nine about ninety eight hundred permits available mm-hmm. okay um now there are some groups in there there's about nine hundred plus or minus groups. So those numbers can vary a little bit, um, but as far as e postcard hunts, um, we have 790 okay. e postcard hunts available this year, mm-hmm. as opposed to 8950 some odd regular drawn hunts. Okay. The majority are the drawn hunts. e postcard. Major- a small number. Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: Yeah, and on the group hunts, the whole group would lose their points after being drawn, right? So, so
1: if you put in as a group. The the beauty of, if you want to hunt with your buddies if y'all 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 want to go hunting and you're applying for a group you uh, hunt you definitely want to put everybody in on the application at the same time because everybody on that application gets selected it doesn't select just random people off that application everybody gets selected everybody gets a permit so long as you everybody pays for their permit right accepts their permit and pays for it y'all all get to go hunt if you were to try to take the chances of you know, Cliff, you put in by yourself. Zach, you put in by yourself. You put in, Landon, you put in by yourself. Y'all, one of y'all might get selected. None of y'all might get selected. But you won't be able to take a buddy
3: with you. Okay, so you can't take a buddy. You Cannot you found... take a buddy. The only people gotcha. that can be
1: allowed to hunt on the area are people whose name Names. is on that application. And these are like,
3: in my mind, I envision these being like waterfowl type hunts. A lot
1: of them are waterfowl hunts. Okay, there are wow. a few. There's a few other things in there that are group type hunts, yep. but. Uh, just for safety stuff. I don't gotcha. imagine like a deer hunt being. A uh, there's hunt. some that are group. okay.
0: What if one of the members can't go? Like for it, some reason, we all put in and then say Landon backs <laughs> out at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's he's flaky like that. He <laughs> is. <flaky. laughs> I can tell. <laughs>
1: no, if if the, the the everybody else in the group can go, um, he would just forfeit basically his loyalty points. But th- then we can call. No, he would forfeit, but we then we couldn't call, no, say, you
0: cannot, Carson, his brother. No,
1: you can't add somebody to the permit after. What if
0: we just stopped liking Landon for some reason? <laughs> well, then, then that's between y'all. I'm <laughs> not getting involved.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, then I think this is a lot of good information. What is the deal with, uh, I know state parks close during parts of the year and allow hunts. Are those... I've heard those are kids-only hunts or youth-only hunts. Is that true? No.
1: No. Some of them are youth-only, uh, but we have – no, there's adult hunts on state parks too. And those are part of the postcard or regular yes. draw hunts? Yes. Okay. They should okay. do that with city yeah, parks Yeah, they just – some some of the parks close portions of the park while they're hunting. Some of them close the whole park. It's really up to the park supervisor how much, how much of the area they're going to close. Gotcha. Um, based on their – you know, it's a safety issue. Right, right. Yeah.
3: Let's
0: backtrack just a little bit. I had another question on group hunts. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's the best way to, you said the best way to you applying is everyone on the same application. So say we're all at our houses on the 15th and we're all buying our, our licenses, buying our APHs. Is it better for one of us to just fill out the entire application and send one guy the money that it's owed is that how that works? Yes, or, okay. because
1: the system will not allow you to submit duplicate applications. Okay. So if you try to do an application for all three of y'all from your house, and you try to do one from your house, the system's going to go, eh. nope, you can't do that. Because my name's already on You're his. already on his application, gotcha. so it's going to boot it out, and it's not going to let you apply. Can gotcha. you apply
0: with two different groups?
1: No. So your name can only be on one application for that
2: area. Okay, for that specific hunt.
1: For that specific hunt. Okay. So. In that category, now you can apply for an archery deer hunt on that cat on that area with three guys. If they if it takes three people on that application, and then there's a gun deer either sex category yeah, but that's on two that different hunts. and it's a three yeah, it's two different categories, and if you put two other guys on there, that's fine. Okay. You're not double dipping, but as long you as keep, it's completely different hunts. Right. Different, different categories,
0: area, not different yeah. area, but just different hunts. Different but categories. I couldn't say I'm going to go to the blankety blank uh, WMA for a waterfowl hunt and sign up with Landon, Zach, and Ian, and then also say I'm going to go do blankety blank waterfowl hunt with Evan, other buddy, other buddy. Well, like, that's if, no if go. you're
1: going to. Like, if you're going to, let's say, the JD Murphy WMA for waterfowl hunt, and you apply, you three of y'all apply, that's fine. And then you go to Mad Island. Yeah. You can apply on Mad Island. Different. With, with two other different guys. Okay. But you can't Especially do the when JD Landon Murphy. makes you mad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, you can't apply because you're already on an on application for, for the so JD once Murphy.
0: Once you're on yeah. it for one, you're yes. on it for one. Correct.
3: As far as the APH, public hunting permit, how does the private leases work in conjunction with that as well? Or how? What are the private leases? How do they work? And just for listeners, have we said what APH stands for yet?
0: Yeah, well, uh-huh. we've alluded to it a few times. I don't think. Yeah, maybe not. Sorry, said. I use anachronisms. No, no, a no lot. You're, you're fine.
1: <laughs> it's the annual public it's hunting permit. You government guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's ingrained in us. We can't help it. <laughs> You're lucky I'm making words and sentences. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it's the annual public hunting permit. So the annual public hunting permit is primarily, well, it's primarily designed for our walk in public hunting areas, which are a lot of our WMAs, state parks. Um, There's Corps of Engineer land, there's uh, U.S. Forest Service land in there there's some u.s mm, some u.s fish and wildlife land that allow walk-in hunts Um, those are the governmental areas but we lease a lot of property from private landowners to provide public walk-in hunting
4: opportunities
1: the aph gives you access to all those walk-in hunting areas right regardless of whether or not they're private lands if they're in our that annual, book, the right. APH, If they're in our walk-in, yeah. our APH map booklet, with that APH, when that area is open, you are good to go. You can go. You so can let go me, on.
0: Let me ask you this, and I think a lot of our listeners and all of us probably know the answer, but to have someone on who's as well-versed in it as you, looking at from a governmental-owned land piece like a Corps of Engineers – how many of those types are you actually allowed to go hunt on? And can you name them like BLM land or Corps of Engineers, just so people listening.
1: Oh, well, we don't have any BLM land in Texas. Right. So our map booklet changes every year. Um, We're constantly adding and losing walk-in hunting areas. For the most part, once we get a governmental piece of land in there, um, for the most part, those are we'll have a, a long term lease with them if it's a Corps of engineer, we'll have an agreement with them.
2: So like the Sam Houston National Forest, there's an agreement there. Yes, it's, that's it's US land.
1: It's forest service land, it's managed by Parks and Wildlife. That is the only forest service land in the state of Texas that the entire thing is managed as a state wildlife management area. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. So it's a little different because portions of US forest service land like in the Davy Crockett, the Angelina, there's portions of that that are not WMA land that you can access and hunt without an APH, but there are portions of those national forests that are managed as a wildlife management area and you have to have the APH to be on that portion.
2: So you have to uh, so technically without an APH you could go to those certain forests. Yes. If you knew exactly where that little spot was and you could just stay in that little area, you could hunt without an APH. Right. But all of the land surrounding it is APH. Right. So it just... Yeah, right. Now, can you... You can hunt, like, if you have the APH, you can hunt the whole thing without questions.
1: Yeah, as long as you got
2: your APH, I mean, you're free range.
1: And Um, it
3: sounds like, too, just to reiterate this point home, we're talking about a lot of different areas... It sounds like to me, if I was going to want to go hunt somewhere, I need to have the book and really study up yes. on where I can be, where I can't be, what the rules are. Because we're talking about everything in a very broad sense, but I yes. know having looked through that book and looked at you know, dove hunt leases and stuff like that, Every place has different rules. Yeah, you need to know where you are to make sure that you're legal. Mm-hmm. Even though um, the parking,
2: like where to park your right. car. And well, i don't even to. know we've
3: run into <laughs> we've run into problems because the is it the central and south zone? Yeah. yeah. For it's dove split, hunting, is split by sixteen oh four. Yeah. Not <laughs> not and, straight through like you'd think. Yeah. Yeah, and like we belly. have hunted on that line and been confused about when. Yeah, we waited.
0: We, can. we waited. Everyone else was sitting there shooting around us, and we were all like. It's not legal shooting because first day of dove season, you have to wait till noon. Mm. And everyone around us was shooting, and we were we were waiting, we were being diligent because that's where we thought we were. We were like, we're We're south South sixteen (laughs) oh four. You got to do this, and everyone else. And we even ended up calling a a game warden in because we were dead set that we were right, and they were like, "Nah, y'all are the wrong ones." (laughs) (laughs) We were like, "Hunting all day, yeah." (laughs) And so
3: I think that just goes to show the importance of like if you want to go hunt somewhere on one of these pieces of property, get the book. And I think you get the book for free when you buy your APH. Yes. And study up on what you can and cannot do. Yes. Now, with that
0: being said, I have heard in the past not everyone ends up getting a book. Do y'all truly run out of shortages or <laughs>
1: people? So last year was an, an, kind of an anomaly. Usually we, when we, and I want to circle back to, Landon, to your question here in a little mm-hmm. bit. So don't let me get up too far off course. So last year we yes we ran out of APH books because <clears throat> COVID a lot of people were looking for an out. Yeah. Um when hunting season rolled around, hunting is a it's a naturally socially distanced sport. It's outside, so it attracted a lot of people. So usually we have a surplus of books. We base it on roughly about five to ten percent of previous years' sales. And we buy that many, we print that many, and we always have a surplus. Because not only do APH hunters get a map booklet, but limited use permit holders get one too. And those are the people that like bird watchers and just nature hikers and stuff like that that want to utilize those areas that are open for public hunting. Um, But they're not going to be consumptive users. They just want to go out and bird watch or... That's the $12 license. That's the $12 license. But they also get a map booklet. We had... The year before, we sold, like, 45,000 permits, you, APHs and limited-use permits, and we had a surplus of books that we sent off to recycling. Last year, we had 50-some-odd thousand people buy APHs and another, like, 9,000 or something that bought L, LPUs, and it was just... Oh, wow, like, okay. We got overwhelmed, and we ran out of books in, like,
0: September. So with that, <laughs> So, with that being said... Me
1: this year we're this rectifying week. that problem. We're gonna we're basing it on last year's sales. We're gonna
2: we're ordering a lot of books. Gotcha. Are, <laughs> you, are you guys Are you guys anticipating it'll be a lot? Of, a lot of people doing it again this year. We
1: assume we're anticipating that, yes, um, because still things are kind of in flux. With yeah. we don't know how things are going to be with all these different variations variants yeah. of COVID going on out there. We're we're trying to anticipate what's going to happen. Right. So we don't know. Yeah. Um. But circling back to the your first question about the book and getting it and reading it and knowing it thoroughly, that is a very good point, but there's also, you can also get everything on our webpage mm-hmm. um, under the public hunting section. Under If you click on parks and wildlife, Google parks and wildlife, go to the hunting main homepage and drop down or the hunting page and drop down that menu. There's a public hunting page, mm-hmm. click on that and it takes you to our drawn hunt page, our mentor hunts, our regular permits and, Drawn hunt or our APH, you can click on the APH, and it pulls up basically everything electronic, an electronic version of that map booklet. Mm. It has the front of the map booklet, the what you need to know. It's got an interactive map, so you can search the area around you. Um, you can venture out in each one of those maps when you click on those stars, or an area searching by area or game will pull up the legal the map for that individual area and you can see what species are available on that area mm-hmm. and when to hunt and stuff like that when that area is open. We also have the My Texas Hunt Harvest app which you put on your phone that also links to you can pull up the web page on From there. there. Yes, yeah. and you can download the maps directly to your phone so you have the map if you don't want to pack your map booklet around or you didn't get a map booklet, you can mm-hmm. pack that around on your phone. It has a legal game box. It's got the little PDF. Yeah. You can download that to your phone. You can also download a shape file, a rudimentary map of the area that you're hunting on. Um, <clears throat> and it has, if you have your location settings on, it's got a little blue dot where you're at. So if you get lost and you're not sure exactly, it's not, it's not, it doesn't have every feature on the PDF map or the aerial photo map, but it's a, it's a rudimentary. It's got the, basically the boundary Mm -hmm. and parking, parking area and the information Mm -hmm. station. So you, you can see where you're at and make sure you're still on the property or, and find your way back to the parking area. Um, That's important this year because this is the first year where electronic onsite registration is going to be every day. You got to use electronic onsite registration on all of our small game leases,
2: so mandatory, instead of doing like that, like there's a We don't lease. have the paper anymore. So, the, yeah, there's a double yeah. hit. Like, hit. Yeah. So it, you pull out your truck, fill out the half the form, fill the other half at the end of the day. Yep. And
1: now you do it all electronic. Cool. It's instantaneous. What so
3: app is that on? My Texas the, Hunt Harvest. Yeah, hey, I have that there, There's yeah. two
0: that you need to download. To, in my opinion, it's the outdoor annual and yes. the Texas yeah. Hunt Harvest. Absolutely. The
2: but Hunt Harvest is the one that has our license built in now, right? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. But on the electronic check-in thing, how bad does it screw you up coming from your side of it and then coming from my side of it? How bad does it screw you up if I forget to clock out
1: it won't a let day you, and a half? It won't let you clock into another area until you clock out of that one. Okay. So, I mean, if you don't go anywhere else, you're, you're just kind of sitting there in queue and... It'll give you notifications. It's like, hey, you forgot to check out.
0: But it's not sending you, like, this, no. day's, this guy's been out here for three days. No, it's No,
1: it doesn't do that. It doesn't ping the game warden. they like, send in the air flight. You know, like, he's, he's lost. <laughs> because I have done that before. <laughs> yeah, No, it does And it doesn't, you know, you don't get dinged. It doesn't let you not. But you just can't not check out of an area before you go to another one.
2: Like, if you go hunt, you know. Right, if you week. hunt
1: multiple areas. Like, if you hunt one in the morning, you you check in, you check out, and you go to one across the road, and you check in, you check out, or you drive down the road, and you know you can hunt four,
2: five, or
3: six right. different areas a day as long as you check in
2: and check out. It just won't let you check in right. until
3: you check out. Right. Gotcha. So we have talked about a lot of pretty complicated things that we came in with a pretty general understanding of, but you have answered a lot of our questions. Let's pretend like you're a first-year hunter, What would be your recommendations about how people should get started? Maybe what's the easiest step forward to take for those guys as far as types of hunts maybe to apply for? Well, I guess really that is going to be... So
1: if I was a first-time hunter, Mm -hmm. and I've never hunted before in my life, honestly, where I would start is with our mentored hunting program. Okay. Is that for any age? It's, It's primarily... It's focused for... Adult hunters. Oh, okay, so it's not pro It's not youth because youth. Okay. youth hunters, we have plenty of youth categories in our drawing
2: system. So plenty of opportunities for them to learn right. how to hunt. Right, and they
1: typically, youth, in a youth category hunt, they have to have a, a supervising an adult with, with them, them. so a mentor with them. Right. So the mentored hunt program is for new to hunting, first time, you know, I mean, I mentored a gentleman last year. He was seventy some odd years old and he's never hunted in his life. Yeah. He wanted to get into it, his son wanted to get into it, and his son was forty something, and they both applied. It's now it's online too. It's a little it's a different process. It's not through the same drawn system. It's a completely different process, but it's all on that our public hunting page in Mm -hmm. the mentor section. You answer a few questions and stuff like that, and you put your name in the hat and you pick the areas that you want to try to go to and stuff. That's how I would start. Because it is kind of a For somebody that's never hunted before, we give – you you're you're teamed up with a mentor. Okay. An an experienced – Provides a mentor. Yes, an experienced hunting mentor that's been hunting for years.
3: Who are the mentors? Are they Texas Parks and Wildlife guys? Yeah. Can – we take Cliff be a mentor. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we would. Like <laughs> <laughs> My reputation for uh, <laughs> <laughs> But for the most part, yeah. We, no. A
1: lot of times, they're Parks and Wildlife personnel. We take. We've had staff from TWA that come and help. We've had volunteers for state parks. We've had just anybody that is local. That's like, hey, I've been hunting for. 40 years I'd like to volunteer, you know, just contact us and we'll put your name down to help. Right. Because um, we're always looking for good mentors. Yeah. So... Um,
0: but you let this guy be a mentor.
1: <laughs> yeah, well...
0: Apparently, you let <laughs> yeah. I said we
1: have standards. I didn't say they were high. <laughs> 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 but no, and, and, and then it's kind of a... It, it's a lot to take in because it's a, usually a Depending on the hunt, it's a two to three day hunt, um, but there's a hunting 101 component, which is basically like a abbreviated hunter education thing. Mm-hmm. We take you out and familiarize you with the weapon system that you're the rifle or pistol or whatever not pistol but the rifle or that you're going to be using or shotgun that you're going to be using. You know, try to have you zero it and shoot it. On most of them, we have a, a shooting component. Now, did
2: the hunters provide their own? Yes, okay, so and
1: we and we will bring, I mean, I always bring a a little deer rifle with me when I go to mentor just to have a backup in case they either drop it or they can't shoot theirs or like last year they didn't have enough ammo to to even get zeroed sometimes because a lot of people buy a rifle for this because they're so new to hunt and they buy a rifle to come
3: to hunt. They buy one box of ammo and they can't get it.
1: Or they buy three boxes, but one's 150 grain, one's 180 grain, one's 165 because that's all they could get last year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we can't get them zeroed um, because the scope or whatever is not – and we just don't have enough ammo. I'm like, here, use mine. It's zeroed.
2: Right. So, at least we have a starting point. Right.
1: And – they'll shoot it a little bit. But yeah, we we have a few rifles. Everybody not everybody, but a lot of us bring a rifle that they can use if they need to. Right, but that's not guaranteed. It's like, not they're, guaranteed. They're no. supposed to bring their own. Yeah. They're supposed to provide their own shooting implement. Yeah. So, but then, you know, and then it's a uh, we basically there's a cooking component. We teach them how to skin out their animal, how to prep their animal, how to and in some cases we try to cook Show them how to cook it, prepare it, and then we'll try to feed them. We didn't so much last year because of COVID issues, yeah, but yep. usually we have a we'll have a wild game meal right. or two. You know, we'll cook up you know cabrito or something, or not cabrito, uh What was I going to say? Uh, oh, the well, uh, can't think. My brain just dumped. But uh, <laughs> you know, like pork tacos or something yeah, made out yeah. of feral hog. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, and then we'll make gumbo or something next right, night or right. something. You know, just. But or to get them in that, like, this right. is
2: why we do it. This is yeah, important.
1: and that's you know. and that's what most people are. A lot of these people that are getting into this and that haven't come from a hunting background, they're kind of with the term locavore. That's that's what they are. They want to know where their food's coming from. Right. And so this is one way that they get into it. Yeah. And that's where I would start if I was a first-time hunter. I would try to get into our mentor hunting program because, I mean – those of us that grew up hunting had multiple people i mean my mom dad grandfather fathers grandfathers took me hunting for years and years and years before they turned me out on my own Mm -hmm. and you know i'm sure a lot of y'all probably the same way you grew up hunting that way or whatnot and it's that was those things were taught to you over years and years and years we're trying to cram all that knowledge into people in a, a in a couple of days, yeah. and it's sensory overload. But we do the best we can, and we hope that we provide them with such a good experience that they continue to want to hunt and buy a hunting license, and then start applying for hunts and trying to get drawn and and try to maybe you know find somebody that has land that they can get on a
3: lease or mm-hmm. something like that, and, and start a tradition of their own. Right. So, what are the odds for the mentor program if someone applies? Um, do you have any idea
1: they're I mean they're better than the drawn hunts right um, because we're we do have a, a a rudimentary questionnaire because we are trying to find newbies newbies we yeah. don't want somebody that's been hunting for 15 years to apply for to it. apply for them So
2: there is a little bit more of a selection process right. with so those. the hint is answer
0: every question wrong <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> don't give bad advice Cliff <laughs> yeah
0: or is it good advice yeah <laughs>
3: But let me ask uh, the two two guys in a question. So I want sure to make sure we, we get them. those. So Centar, uh, I can't say this, guys. Centar should fly. Asked, does TPWD have plans to add more acreage to the public lands in Texas anytime soon? We are always looking for properties to lease. Always. Um So
1: that's our biggest hurdle right now is finding property to lease from. We've added a lot of opportunities partnering with U.S. Fish and Wildlife. Some of their refuges are coming on board into our drawn system and into our walk-in areas. Um, We've already got partnerships with Corps of Engineer, the Forest Service. um, But private lands, because Texas is such a big private land state, that's – that's our bread and butter, and and we're always looking for land to lease. So, if you know a landowner that might be interested in leasing to us, by all means, get them in contact with us. And uh, do y'all know
3: how much y'all pay for a landowner I, to lease, or can I, you say I
1: do, but I can't say. Okay, <laughs> okay. I mean, that's fair. We 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 do have a cap, but and we negotiate price and stuff like that, and it's it's based on, um. You know, we we try to target lands close to major metropolitan areas okay. because that's the majority of our hunting
2: public right. lives now. Nothing out there near, like, Big Bend or something like Right. That. I mean, we do
1: have stuff yeah, out yeah. there. Yeah, um, yeah and Black
2: Gap's
0: right there next to
1: yeah. It. Yeah. yeah, and we're always looking, but, and we're not going to turn down a place just because it's two hours outside of town, right. uh, but it's, it, we try to focus closer just to make it so people can get there in a reasonable amount of time on a day Out on the end of the week, they can go hunting on Friday afternoon. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have to take a whole day off work. Yeah. Um, but that's not going to, that's not to say that we're not going to turn our nose down. We're not going to turn any landowner down that wants to lease to us because the only caveat there is on really small acreages. Um, we're limited on what we can lease for. So we can't obviously lease forty acres for deer hunting because there's no regulated in you know, income or influx of people. There might be twenty people out there trying to and it's just a safety hazard. Right. So historically our leased lands have been for small game and birds because you're using a shotgun, um, limited range, so they can be a little bit smaller properties. Um but we typically try to aim for about eighty or plus acres for bird and small game areas. Okay. The more the mer- the bigger the place, obviously, the better. Um, if it gets big enough, we have you know we can lease for archery, deer, mm-hmm. hog, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the more species that we get to hunt, and the more
2: um, opportunity, obviously, the more we can pay for it. So so a landowner can say like, hey, I know I have access or deer on this property, but uh, I'm only going to partner with you for hogs. Yes. Okay.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, I mean, we, we lease from landowners that they lease to us for parts of the first split of dove season. Uh They'll lease to us for, you know, until a couple of days before archery season and then we shut it off and then they've got it leased to private
0: individuals, individuals
1: for, for deer hunting. Gotcha. Uh Um, so, and we, we lease around that. We had a property that we leased for archery deer last year. They had lease, they had lease hunters on there. So we didn't lease it for the regular deer season, gun deer season. Mm -hmm. And then we picked up spring Turkey. Okay. Does
0: TPWD do anything with the landowners in terms of a cleanup after it's done? Do y'all help send someone out? Because I do know. We're all good about picking up our shells and And other people's people's shells. But that doesn't mean, I mean, obviously, if we're having to pick up other people's, what if we weren't there and they're just laying there? Do y'all have someone that helps, or is it just up to the landowner? We
1: don't, um, but what we've done is partnered with, we've run a couple of partnerships with different kind of uh, hunting groups. Um. One we, one was backcountry hunters and anglers. They, um, they adopted a number of our dove leases. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that worked with them was they were all licensed, permitted with APH hunters that were allowed to be on that property during that time that it was open for hunting, and they would just show up early. On the day that they were going to go hunt, and they would pick up shotgun shells
2: and gotcha. whatever like else, a yeah. cleanup day, kind of like a with the hunting day, right? Exactly, but.
1: because once we on a leased land, once we once the season ends, we can't. Nobody else is allowed back on there, right. except for Parks and Wildlife personnel to take the signs down. Yeah.
0: So, is there a way like how you said you partnered with BHA on it? Is there like a process that they actually got to go through with y'all, or can BHA or let's bring it home and say, "Honey hole"? No. Let's just do a cleanup on X property that we normally go to for dove season towards the end of dove season, where we just go out there and clean up shells, and we have our listeners come clean up shells. Can we do that? Yes. Or okay. as, long as, as, long as long as as long as they have, a a a a they have their
1: APH, yes, they're they're okay. legally allowed on that property while it's open for hunting
4: Gotcha.
1: so yeah and that's what we did that was the easiest way for us to do it without getting into a bunch of legal legally binding overly monotonous contracts and legal proceedings to get people out there was like everybody is covered under their APH to be on that property during hunting season liability Everything is already established. Mm. So that is the way we decided that is the best course of action. So, yes, if y'all have a group of – if y'all want to adopt two or three areas, just say we're adopting two or three areas, and, you know, you can do it amongst yourselves. You don't have to call us. Right. Um, Mm. It'd be nice if we knew so we could let the landowner know. We're like, hey, Honey Hole has adopted your land, and they're going to go out there and pick up shotgun shells and stuff because – Honestly, that go as you alluded. You know, there's shotgun shells and stuff that goes a long way with a lot of our landowners. Yeah. If the hunters are out there, if, if a hunter, if if oh, I know, go out there pick it up, I know spots where people said, "I'm not doing this again next yeah. year." Yeah. I mean, because we, of stuff like yeah, yes that. Yeah. We, I mean, my my supervisor and I, he and I went out. We picked up two bags of shotgun shells on one area because we got complaints from the landowner about it. And we went in in about an hour. We picked up two bags of shotgun shells, and we were like. And this was before we had established the, the partnerships with backcountry hunters and anglers, yeah. you know. And, that, and we started the, that kind of started the ball rolling on, like, how can we get this done? Because we don't have the staff. We don't have the manpower to clean it up. Right. A thing to remember for our listeners that I want to point out is a lot of
0: these leases that they are doing for us, they are also working agricultural fields, so think about it. Say it's your, your mom or dad or your family farm and they leased it out for a little bit of extra income or a break in taxes or whatever it may be, their reason behind it. But then all these shotgun shells are laid out all across the field and you don't see it. You run a tractor over it. What can that do to your tractor? One, probably nothing, but you do it over and over and over and over and over again. That's expensive equipment that we are potentially tearing up.
3: And it's on For unsightly. our benefit, it it's it's is. Their land it's it is. But you yeah. got Classic to think everywhere. about
0: it like also from the landowner's perspective, yeah. is what I'm trying to well, pull it out. Oh, yeah.
3: I've had an idea for our, actually our listeners, and I haven't run it by you guys yet, but I'm just going to announce it and we're okay, going to do it. See. I'm going to make an executive decision. <laughs> <always> take it <laughs> so <out. laughs> um, I know when I go fishing, I always take a trash bag. Not always, yep. but if I remember, I take a trash bag. I bring and the one I got
2: from Park Tomorrow, I have the little yellow one.
3: I, I hike in and I take note of where I see trash, and then on my way back out, I pick up all the trash, fill my bag up, throw it away. Mm-hmm. So my offer is to any honey hole, any listener of ours or anybody, whether you listen or not, if you guys hike in a Texas Parks and Wildlife yellow bag or a trash bag or a Walmart bag, or whatever it is, you guys fill that bag up, send us a picture, tag us on Instagram or send it to our email or whatever, we will mail you a sticker.
2: I like that idea. Yep. At,
3: yeah. at our cost. What's the, what's the hashtag though? What's the hashtag? Just tag us. Honey hole cleanup. Tag honey hole angling hashtag honeyhole cleanup. I don't know. Keep my honey <laughs> hole clean. <laughs> so whether that's public <laughs> and <laughs> that's going on the yellow board. <laughs> Thanks, Cliff.
1: Thanks, Cliff. <laughs> Another one. It's <laughs> catchy. <laughs> so, oh, no, uh, that's a that's a great idea. Yeah, and that goes a long, long way with our landowners. Yeah. Yeah. Tremendous, tremendous. I mean that. That goes long further than, you know, any money we can throw at them. Because they're doing, they're providing this opportunity out of the goodness of their heart. Yeah, they get a little bit of compensation, but they like to have. They want to do this. They want to do it. Um, And then it only takes one or two rotten apples to spoil the barrel, you know, so to speak. And that's, that's how it is with, if you get one or two hunters that go out there and dump a bag
3: of shells out on the ground or something you know it messes it up for everybody yeah uh blacklisted fishing asked what is the biggest issue that arises from texas uh public lands in terms of hunting it's going to be access i mean just the the limited amount
1: of public hunting lands in the state because we are such a private land state i mean we're 96 percent private lands so i think our state own lands make up about 2% of that, and the rest of it's federal. So, I mean, or you know, it's just, I mean, huh? yeah, it's just we're private lands. So, that's our biggest hurdle is finding places to allow people to go hunt. Right. And it's got to be on
3: private land. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Before we actually do our closing words, is there anything else you guys wanted to cover? Or do you have any interesting statistics that, we might be interested in. I don't know if they're interesting. I don't want
1: to steer anybody by uh-huh. throwing out any statistics.
3: <laughs> yeah. I okay. got a, a question for them. All right.
0: Are we getting back into it now? You go for it. Okay. Um. So, being seeing the APH sales and stuff go up last year, seeing anticipating for them to be about the same, maybe a little less, maybe a little bit more this year, with the idea that's been floating around and people saying that hunter participation across the country has dwindled, where do you see it going for Texas? Do you think that it's increasing here, or do you think, because there's also a two-folded question to that, is it because people are moving here, or is it actual hunter participation
1: growing? I think it's both. Um, our, our, hunting, our hunting population, our age is... Roughly, staying the same.
2: Oh, so we're not aging up like every other state.
1: Yeah, I mean we're we're in our about upper forties. Okay, to fifty is where we're. I mean, we've been kind of inching up a little bit, mm-hmm. but we are getting a lot of younger hunters coming into the state from out of state and mm-hmm. people here in state that are hunting. So we're holding pretty steady. Okay. Um. Actually, last I mean we we've definitely seen an uptick in license sales a little bit. And up obviously an uptick in APH sales and stuff like that, and I think a lot of that does have to do with people that are coming from western states that are used to having so much public land at their yeah. disposal, coming to a private land state. they're kind of like culture shocked. they're like, "Uh, we can't go anywhere or we? we can't <laughs> go camping where, what do we do um so yeah it's yeah, I think that's but we're we're holding steady yeah um we're we're clicking up a little bit.
2: Uh what was a couple of those uh statistics that you want to <laughs> share us <this> with? <laughs> All right. Uh where did I put
1: them? So so we have roughly eighty nine hundred, nine thousand little over almost ten thousand permits available. Awesome uh-huh. minus. Um last year we had forty seven thousand three hundred and twenty five unique individuals applying. Those, so that doesn't
2: include one individual applying for all of that.
1: That's them. that's unique individuals okay. that, a, that put their name on an application. Okay. Um we had roughly this is the scary part, two hundred and fifty seven thousand applications for, for those, nine for, for, for those ten thousand spots. 10, spots. Okay. But you know, that's it's it's a lot. Um but again, it's still, you know, there's nine thousand almost ten thousand opportunities out there. Right. So and that's you know, we had two hundred fifty-seven thousand applications, but a lot of those were multiple applica- people applying for multiple areas. I mean, I do it; I mean, right. y'all do it. Yeah, I mean, everybody yeah. applies for multiple. We don't just apply for one area, right? And, like, and oh. usually, it's
2: like if I get one, then if I get a you know right selected for anything else, I probably won't do that. I'll probably just this one, my favorite right. one. Of, exactly. Well, and it yeah.
3: sounds like too with the you know the multiplier moving forward too. You know, you may not be able to get the hunt that you really want this year, but keep putting in, keep putting yeah. in, especially if it's a pre desirable hunt that a lot of people will apply for. Yeah. You'll, that multipliers you, in your favor. Yeah, yeah, multipliers in your favor.
1: And a lot of people ask me, they're like, what's the strategy to get drawn? Because we are a purely random draw system. Right. What I recommend, if anything, look for the least desirable areas. I mean, there's statistics if if the hunt manager puts statistics on a web page on that each individual yeah. hunt, there's last year's success you rate.
3: Can, you can see the success rate. Yes. Not on everyone's available. I noticed right. for my particular hunts that I really wanted to put mm-hmm. in for this year. But also, you can see how many people put in for that hunt last year. Right.
1: And so based on that, you saw the number of permits last year, the number of people that put in. I mean, that if you want to, if you really want to go hunting, and you're mainly like, that's. You don't really care if you get a Mui Grande. You just really want to go hunting. Right. That would be my strategy to put in for the lesser right. the ones that people don't apply
2: for as much. Yeah, exactly.
3: Cool. You guys have anything else? Uh, rock stacking because that's the hot topic this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I- <laughs> cannot believe the conversations over rock stacking. No, I'm like, we, it's we so hot, do have to cover it. I'll that say, came out of nowhere. It's so for hot, Evan. You might have to cut this out. Well, that's how that's <laughs> how the, the SpaceX thing kind of came out of nowhere for me. Yeah. Too. And then we had that. I think it was only me and you for that episode. Mm, no. That came out of nowhere. But have you seen this, Clay?
1: Oh yeah, there were people stacking rocks all over the place while we were doing a workout today on. St- McKinney Falls State Park. I was really? like, what
3: in the world are they doing? Yeah, it's apparently this <laughs> thing. It's, it's making the rounds. <laughs> okay, yeah. so Zach, give the rundown on the whole rock stacking So there's this thing. thing
2: called cairn stacking, C-A-I-R-N, where you go someplace and you stack rocks. Normally, it has been used in the past to actually mark trails, uh, let people know, uh, kind of like uh, the breadcrumb situation. Like if I'm going out hunting, I might leave cairn stacks, either getting me back to the car or letting somebody know where I went. But – uh, you know, people are getting out there and they're just making them wherever, stacking as many rocks as they can. And so it's uh, it's been a hot topic this last yeah, week. It's especially it's more of an Instagram
0: thing yeah, now. For sure. Well, and I know
3: I've been to the Lano uh, H- and there's Hedge a certain area is notorious for where 50 rock stacks in oh, an area. Oh, yeah, it's like one little thing. It's, yeah. just, it's everywhere. It's just crazy. So we, I guess there's, People on both sides, obviously. <laughs> yeah. There's the pro rock stackers <laughs> yeah. and the anti-rock stackers. Oh, I'm anti-rock stackers. So I'll kick them down. <laughs> okay. All right, Cliff, give us a breakdown on the... On the- oh, why I'll kick them down? Yeah.
0: Because they're not needed. A is an unsightly thing. to like If you do it and it's seriously for a trail marking, fine. Mm-hmm. That one should stay up and whatnot, but you only need one for that. In the cluster of areas where there's 5, 10, 15, 20, people are doing it because they want to. It's unsightly. It ruins the ecosystem. It ruins the aesthetics of the place. Mm-hmm. They need to come
3: down. Yeah. What? Okay, what if I told you that, uh, you know, it's hard for me to get my kid outside and enjoy outdoors, and our motto is inspire more people to love being outside. And I like to take my kid out and he likes to stack rocks, that's his thing. Yeah, um, but a kid's not gonna actually stack it as a Karen. A kid is going to stack rocks in a a twelve year old? I think a twelve year old could put some time in I and think stack I it up. I think
0: a twelve year old you need to sit down and have a conversation with at your <laughs> point at that point. I, I think, think a six year old <laughs> is a different <laughs> conversation. Give but if him a slingshot Huh? Yeah. 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 Give him a slingshot. <laughs> Do something else. But. <laughs> It, yeah, <laughs> actually, well, at a certain point, and a lot of times, let's be honest, it's not a twelve-year-old doing it. The people who are saying that it's the same people who are it's arguing our age doing it. Yeah, it's people who are it's yeah. people who are arguing. Oh, my twelve-year-old likes to do this. On a percentage basis, there's probably less than three percent of the population of twelve-year-olds who like to stack rocks <laughs> in a <the form> of... <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you get your stats from? <laughs> I'm pulling them out of where the sun don't shine. <laughs> <laughs> I think it I think it's I think it sits. I, I, I
2: actually I agree with Cliff on this. I think most kids are gonna be in the water. Most people our age, you know, I think they're twenties are I think the it's ones that
0: our age millennial groups who are like I like to go hiking and they go hike the trail around uh McAllister Park and think that's actually hiking, uh-huh. doing it. Not people who are actually in the outdoors. They're doing it for the gram. They're doing it to get likes on uh, social media and stuff. It's not needed. Don't do it. There's no purpose behind it unless you're truly marking a trail.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. No, I'm fine with that. I probably will go out of my way and kick them over. But
3: well, and I I don't necessarily have a problem. You don't people... have as much aggression as I do. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily have a problem with people stacking rocks. Just you don't have to leave it up. No, you know, if, 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 if that's the case
0: if that's the case, that's the different conversation mm-hmm. that we need to be having. But People are leaving them up. Yeah, that's the the issue everywhere. I will
2: say, though, one time I went to the Gwad, I saw several stacks around some like gourd filled with feathers and stuff with some candles that looked a little weird. (laughs) So, if you're stacking it for that reason, you definitely think that's another conversation that needs to be had, too. That's not
0: people just stacking them and leaving them. There's a blood
2: oath and who knows what else.
0: It's leaving them that's the issue. It's not the stacking in of itself. Mm -hmm. It's confusing.
2: You walk out, I'll be like, which way, which way is north? <laughs> There's too many rock stacks. <laughs> I don't know which trail to take.
3: <laughs> yeah, I just am surprised. You know, I the I, heat
2: watching the heat go down this last week have been fun.
3: Like I've always seen rock stacks and been like, ah, oh, that's kind of weird. I would never stack rocks, right. but that's whatever. Not the
2: word I said, but yes.
3: <laughs> I was like, because well, I, I see them all the time. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I wouldn't really do it.
2: Yeah, but like, I've
3: never seen like a as much of a heated topic and so people coming out on both sides. Oh, oh I've kept weird. my
0: mouth shut through the whole thing like this week of seeing it because it, it came out of nowhere for me. I was like, why is this blowing up? Like, what's the deal? Like, is...
2: We got nothing better to do than argue about rock stacks? Kind of, kind of like
0: shrug it off. I didn't comment or anything, but you're asking me my opinion now, so I'm giving it to you.
3: Yeah, my opinion is like, I'm kind of surprised at how big of a deal people are making it pro and against. And I'm just kind of like, <laughs> I'm just of yeah, here. I'm just kind of like that. this I, is what this
2: is what I we're felt arguing like we about. We had to talk about it though because it's been a hot topic this week. I've, I
0: just feel like it's ruining the scenery and the ecosystem around it. And when you, people are saying, "Oh, how does it ruin the ecosystem?" Well, well, here's it here, provides habitat Here's for where I'm going to play devil's stuff.
3: advocate because I understand, you know, the ecosystem argument, but at the same time we're walking through the river that's doing damage to the ecosystem. We're putting a hook in a fish's mouth and then releasing it. That oh, yeah. is, you know, there is a fatality rate of fish to doing that. Yeah. So we, we are not are harmless, and yeah, it's a blood sport. You know what I mean. We're not harmless in this, but so I can see the rock stacker side of the argument when it comes to those things when people who like to fly fish and hunt are coming up i'm <laughs> doing true. this and doing that <laughs> for the bugs yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. you guys are you know sticking a hook in a fish's mouth and yeah. doing that so i understand that argument i'm not going to stack rocks i don't know i'll go i got better
2: i got better things to do uh,
3: i i don't think i'm going to kick i got better things the to do to stack down rocks. i i honestly really didn't care and i was just yeah. amused at how passionate people were about it. Big of a deal this became over was, something. Weird. If you care, go pick up shotgun shells no, off I, public I, land areas. I do that too. Pick up trash. I do that too. We'll end on that note. There you go. Also I kick Ian's over words your... of wisdom even though Ian's I'll not with us I also kick over your, uh, your Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Ian's words of wisdom. Pick up some trash when you go outside. Pick up trash. Not rocks. <laughs> 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 what a stupid argument
0: <laughs> It is And I didn't expect me to get like that You got passionate man I, I, didn't, <laughs> I
4: didn't expect it <laughs> <I'm> like whoa
1: <laughs> Bye <laughs> Alright I'm going to go collect rocks And put them out in his yard now <laughs>